Welcome to Man Talk. Everything you wanted to know about men's health, but were afraid to ask. Hi, thanks for tuning in to Man Talk, the show that attempts to answer your personal questions with qualified professionals on a variety of subjects that concern most of our listeners. My name is Stuart, the voice of reason, along with my brilliant co-host Michael, the voice of choice. We will inform, educate, make you laugh, and give you insight into the sometimes complicated world of men's health. You're not alone out there in what you're experiencing or feeling. There's a band of brothers out there going through the same stuff. So listen up, guys and gals, and get ready to learn, live, and enjoy your life. And above all, try to flush those cares away. Welcome to ManTalkRadio.net, and our guest back with us today is Dr. Benjamin Carter. Dr. Carter has been practicing dermatology in St. George, Utah, since 2010. Dr. Carter, please tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into dermatology, and what your specialty and what your specialties are. Sure, you bet. Um, you know, as I'd mentioned on the previous show, uh, I did uh, a lot of my undergraduate training in uh, in Utah at local universities, and then ended up at medical school um, at the Medical College of Wisconsin in uh, Milwaukee. Uh, where I also did a, uh, a dermatology residency uh, before returning to St. George in uh, 2010 and setting up my, uh, my own um, private uh, practice in dermatology. And I do uh, general medical and surgical dermatology, uh, including uh, skin cancer surgery uh, known as Mohs surgery. Well, last week on the show, we touched base on skin cancer and various kinds of skin cancer. I think we wanted to continue on the melanoma subject that we felt was pretty serious. Absolutely. Um, I think we had uh, been talking a little bit about how just how important it is that melanoma be found early. Uh, and uh, I can't emphasize that enough. I think uh, when, you, when you talk about um, cancers, um, there are some cancers that uh, don't go certain places. Uh, some will only travel through the lymphatic system in the lymph nodes. Others will travel by blood uh, to distant organs. Um, and then melanoma, it'll do it all. At this point in time, uh, if melanoma breaks free from the skin, it can travel to any organ in your body, including the brain. Uh, and that's what makes melanoma such a bad cancer, is that once it does break free, and we talked last time about that one millimeter, right? It doesn't need to be um, a couple of centimeters down in the, in the skin. There's not that much skin to go through. So it just needs a little bit to break into the second layer of the skin. And then um, if, if things don't go uh, your way, it can end up in distant places. And it's, uh, it's really unsettling um, for providers like myself to watch their patients go through that. And of course, uh, it's, it's uh, really, really um, upsetting for uh, patients and families who go through uh, melanoma um, diagnosis, treatment, um, and, and, uh, and have to deal with what that means. I, I remember my dad when he was 60, uh, went to Mayo Clinic for a total body checkup. Back in the days, yeah. I guess insurance, sure, paid, sure. private like, insurance now they, paid for it. Now they call them executive uh, checkups because only the executives get them. Well, he was an executive, <laughs> but he was his own executive. Awesome. He, anyway, he came back and they said the, he was in perfect health, uh, but he had melanoma. And he had a lake house. And from then on, he wore a long sleeve shirt, long blue jeans, a gigantic straw hat. And that was how he spent 
yeah. uh, his next 10 years outside. Sure. So they discovered the melanoma, but he, they got it out and he was fine? They, they discovered it. I do not remember any procedure. I think it was so early on that I don't remember them doing anything. Yeah, yeah. They, they probably, I mean, they probably did do a skin biopsy or a skin excision, and, and it, it maybe wasn't a big deal. A lot of the melanomas that I cut out, I cut them out, um, you know, you're on my table. Uh, we're having a conversation, we get you numbed up, and then uh, we take the appropriate margins. And uh, depending on um, the, how deep the melanoma is, we may be doing um, uh, a, uh, an excision down to uh, fat or down to fascia. So most, at this point in time, um, melanomas are removed down to the fascia, uh, which, well, is, uh, which is the layer that encases muscle. And so you go from the epidermis to the dermis, dermis to the subcutaneous fat. I didn't remember that one. Yep. And that typically lays over the top of muscle. And it's that outer layer of muscle that's called fascia that uh, when, you're, when you're removing melanomas, you cut down. So you're going through the deep subcutaneous fat. That's a big chunk. And that's why you end up sometimes with what we call shark bites, you know, these kind of deeper depressed scars uh, from melanomas. Um, but, you know, a melanoma inside you. Uh, six millimeter margins um, done in the clinic. He could have had that done in 19, uh, you said, in, I, don't, I don't remember when it was, when he, in his 60s, he could have had it done, done uh, very simply that same day. Um, yeah, that, that if, might... if they had a, if they excised it as a, hey, we're going to just, we think this is melanoma, so we're going to just excise it with margins and sew you up. He may not have needed a second procedure, but most of the time. So just to be clear, when you go to the dermatologist's office and they see a suspicious mole, uh, that they think is melanoma, you're looking at having a second procedure after. It, it may have been. I wasn't living near him at the you time. You have the biopsy. But uh, my one takeaway that I do remember, I saw he was 60, I was about 30, roughly. I remember that from then on, my hair was thinning already at 30. Yeah. That's thanks to my other grandfather. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I decided I better start wearing a cap whenever I was sure. in the sun. Like, I mean, like 100% of the yeah. time, and I was only 30. Yeah. But... In the last few years, now we see these uh, fabrics with uh, SPF factors yeah, yeah, the, to, the, the, for well, protection. UPF rating, I think or they give them, um, versus SPF for the sun protection U factor. Okay. It's an ultraviolet protection factor oh, rating, okay. I think, on the clothing. So, but yeah, it's so, amazing. So here's what I wonder. A typical baseball cap is uh, a cotton twill. Sure. I happen to know this. I happen to have been in that business. Yeah. And th there was no no uh, factor for UV yeah, yeah. In, back in the day. What was the factor? So for a hat, depending on the weave, right? So even we're talking about a 98 twill. by 48 cotton twill. Yeah, I, I, and I can't say that I'm, I'm... I made them for Nike, for all the kids' caps yeah, for yeah, Nike. Yeah, and I, and I can't say that I'm an expert on weaves and what 98 by 48 means, but I can tell you... I don't know what it means that, either. That a oh, white, you had a weave in your head. It was 5.99. <laughs> Didn't you have a weave in your head? Oh, I, there's not enough hairs up there to weave. <laughs> so Knitting, I could maybe knit. We could tie a piece of string up there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, you could... Uh, if, you, if you look at white T-shirts, if I remember correctly, a white T-shirt uh, that's not wet gives you a sun protection factor. So this is not um, a sunblock t-shirt. This yeah, is just right. a regular, regular white tea. cotton uh, tee. Uh, I think the sun protection factor is equivalent to four. Um, almost almost okay. nothing. Which almost is almost nothing. nothing, yeah. And a baseball cap, yep. a typical cotton cap? You know, my bet is it's probably SPF 15. Uh, if it's if it's just a, a traditional cap, so there is, so there if is, it's if it's the mesh back, no, no, then it's no. less, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I then could less. never, I could never wear the trucker. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. not a trucker. There's a lot of <laughs> truckers around here. A lot of ball guys with truckers. Yeah. And I'm always wondering, 
if they if it's just the look, they're obviously not thinking about skin cancer. Oh, I didn't even know that that was the trucker. So you know, the, the mesh show, back is the trucker. That shows you how much I know. So there you think go. a lot of baseball players towards the end of their career probably wound up with some sort of skin cancer because of being out in the field all the time for six months a year? No, it's it's certainly possible. I can tell you in my practice. You know, you say, "Hey, I started wearing a hat." You know, I, I noticed um, in my early 30s that I had some 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 thinning, and I got one scalp sunburn. And I, I now swim with a baseball cap on. I mean, I, I the scalp burns they hurt. Right. You know, right. They're really quite miserable. Right. But but uh, in addition to that, just seeing patients for for you know 12 years now. Um, and kind of what I refer to is the end-stage scalp. Uh, it's not a great term for, for, um, for non-doctors, but it basically means that your scalp is one giant precancer. Okay, It's just scabs and crust from the front to the back. And you see that a couple of times, and you think, I don't, I don't want I don't to deal want, with that. I don't that. want that myself. Right? And, right. and I see that. I have patients that I see every three months, and we're freezing precancers on their head. We're using what I call chemo cream, which is a, a medicine uh, known as 5-fluorouracil. What and, is it called? 5-fluorouracil. Uh, is that the stuff you put on that your head explodes about a week later? Yeah, it's the stuff that I, I tell you it looks like somebody took a cheese grater to your it, skin. It, it is very painful yeah, as well. Yeah. It's, I, I, I it's, used it a couple of years ago. It's I, intense. I, it is very Most intense. patients are happy they did it. I'm not. Most patients don't ever want to do it again. I'm not that happy I did it, and I never <laughs> will do it again. A lot of them say, oh, my skin is like, you know, it's like baby skin. But that doesn't last long, right? So the sun damage that occurs early in life comes back to bite us later in life. Like most things that we do when yes, we're young, they, they catch up with us. I had a patient true. in today. He said, you know, I had a car accident when I was young, and now I, I, I'm dealing with what that was 40 years later. He for a, for a number of years, I was okay, but now I have a lot of pain, and my doctor says it's probably from my car accident I had when I was 18. Well, like the old, oh, I have an old football injury or whatever it is. You know, yeah. guys are breaking down in their older age because of what they've done in their younger age. Yeah. yeah. And when you think in terms of exposure, so I didn't play tackle football, okay? That was kind of a, when? that was, no, my mom and dad said, <laughs> hey. you can play anything but tackle football. <laughs> and I, I ended up, uh, my passion was basketball. But, but if you think about exposures, right? I didn't play football. Maybe Michael didn't play football. But all of us spent time in the sun, right? That's a universal exposure for the human race. And depending on where you live, the intensity of that can be different. And I think there's takeaways from that, right? We know that the sun makes us feel better about ourselves, right? It, it does something positive for our, our mood. And they talk about the... the, the um, uh, the the depression that can occur um, associated with lack of sunlight, yeah, and I think that's a. You live in Seattle. I think that's a real thing. Well, okay? I think Nord that's a real thing. In, in the Nordic countries, they drink a lot because they're depressed. The sun is uh, not, not a, available. Not a lot of sunshine, and I think that's a real thing. Um, but and so there's the the good things, vitamin D that comes uh, from sunshine. Um, there's good things that come from the sun, but like everything in life, you don't want to let it abuse you. And melanoma, so 90% of skin cancers um, are thought to be sun-induced. In melanoma, it's, I think, 82 or 85% of all melanomas are thought to be sun-induced, okay? And that's, that's a big deal. So let's rewind a little bit to the practicality. Obviously, avoiding or identifying early. Last week when we were here, we talked about, you know, identifying early. So you're a, a young guy living alone or maybe have a, a, a wife, girlfriend, 
how do you, how do you, a lot of these are on your head and your back. You're, we're not looking at a top for a head right. You back. don't see. Right. Right. So how do we, how do we get this message out uh, that you need to be looking or have someone looking at you? And and uh, I think that's a great question. And I think uh, it's forums. Well, thank, li- thank you. It's it's forums <laughs> like this that make you know that make a big difference. Uh, you need a voice. You need to be able to um, to to get that message out, whether it's uh, through patient education within the clinic, or whether it's uh, um, through uh, radio like this, or the skin cancer screenings that the American Academy of Dermatology does. Uh, you need to to get the message out. But when you talk about what does that mean, um, it means uh, that you're going to do, you're going to let people know where they need to look. You said head and neck um, and and, uh, referenced, I think, the back. So for men, um, the back is the the most common location for melanoma. And it's the hardest thing to look at. And it's a hard place to look. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when patients come to my office, um, if they haven't had a skin exam, um, or if they say, I don't want a, uh, um, a full body skin exam, um, I typically ask the men, can, can I look at your back while you're here? Okay. And, and some of that comes from um, the way I was uh, taught. Uh, and and you, you, you're taught, hey, you're going to find things if you do this. And then some of that comes from an experience I had with a patient who was sent in, um, appointment made by his uh, significant other, which is typically what happens with uh, uh, males in my practice. Sure. The appointments are almost always set by girlfriends, wives, mothers, daughters. Uh, but anyway, he comes in and uh, my assistant comes in and says, hey, you know, he's here to have this spot checked out. Uh, he said he'd take his shirt off when you go in. We went in, we got talking, uh, we looked at a couple of spots. Uh, the last thing I said to him is the same thing I say to every patient. Is there, do you have any other questions for me? Is there anything else I need to look at? Uh, and uh, he said no. And we, he didn't take his shirt off. And then uh, about 30 minutes later, we got a call from uh, his significant other. Go back in. She was mad at us that we hadn't, you know, taken his shirt off. Um, and, uh, you know, you, I guess you can lay blame where you want to. But from that point on, I always specifically uh, try to ask my patients at least once a year. If I'm seeing them um, routinely uh, or if they're there for a first visit, I always ask, hey, should we look at your back? Has anybody looked at your back? Um, and that really goes back to the melanoma on the back in males. And, and, in, and, and by routinely, that's a good question. If our listeners are you know, generally uh, senior guys like Stuart and I, well, maybe like Stuart. <laughs> How often should we be going to see a dermatologist? I mean, we typically in our lives went to see a doctor when something happened. Sure. Except, except for maybe the uh, your yeah. primary care. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that uh, when, you, when you talk in terms of skin cancer screening, if we talk about the global population, it's pretty clear that screening everyone for skin cancer is not a cost-effective strategy. Um, and when you talk about the risk, the at-risk groups, it is uh, what you just said, it's, it's, it's uh, men and women who are in their uh, 60s. Um, that's kind of the starting point for most people down the skin cancer or the pre-skin cancer path. Uh, and so you're, you're saying, I, I typically tell patients, uh, 65, you really should become friends with a dermatologist. Um, if you were diagnosed with pre-cancer or skin cancer prior to the age of 65, then it's really quite prudent for you to be seen on an annual basis from that point on Mm -hmm. uh, for a skin exam. So when I come in, I see you once a year and um, you check me out and so far everything's fine. 
Uh, but occasionally you say you got some precancer stuff and I'm going to spray your head with some cryo something. Sure. And what is that all about? The, the, uh, the liquid nitrogen that we use for, uh, for precancer. Um, so uh, precancer is, uh, we refer to precancer as actinic keratosis. Um, and actinic means sun-induced and keratosis just means thickening of the skin. Uh, and so when we, when we talk about um, burning things off, as you referenced there, Stuart, or freezing things off, what we're trying to do with those precancers is we're trying to damage the skin and then allow the healing response to lay new normal skin cells back in that location. Uh, and typically you've, you treat, uh, depending on the thickness of that actinic keratosis, you treat at any individual lesion for uh, 10 seconds, um, one or two cycles, um, sometimes up to, you know, 25 seconds, depending on how thick the, the mm -hmm. precancer is. Okay. Stuart, we, uh, we have some email questions. You want to you wanna start? Yeah, sure. We have one from John in Phoenix. And John says, quote, I have spent most of my life outdoors working and doing recreational stuff in my younger days. I'm now in my early 60s. I really didn't think much about using sunscreen. Is it too late for existing sun damage? And how can I prevent skin cancer after all these years? And what are the best sunscreens to apply? And one other thing, I also take some prescription medications. So could some sunscreens have a negative effect? Uh, and, th and that really kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with the age group and the screening. Um, you know, so John's in his early 60s. Um, he didn't do a lot of a lot of sun protection when he was when he was younger, but certainly spent a lot of time recreating in the sun. Uh, it, in some regards, is probably too late for some of his existing um, uh, sun damage, but he can certainly prevent additional sun damage. Uh, and if you look at you know life expectancy for males, and depending on John's own um, longevity, he could be around for another twenty or thirty years. Uh, and uh, anything that he what if does, his wife doesn't want him around? Well, uh, I'll leave that to John then. <laughs> but, I, but I think that, uh, you know, ultimately um, anything you can do to try and minimize um, uh, the damage from the sun, to not be abused by it, is going to be helpful, even if you're starting in your 60s. How about some of the sunscreens? Recently I read about some of the sunscreens that are absorbed in the body aren't good for what the yeah, contents I, I, are. We've been reading a lot about that recently too. Yeah, and so uh, one, of the, one of the recent studies that came out indicated that um, within a short period of time, I think we're talking a couple of minutes um, after putting on sunscreen, um, you're seeing spikes in these chemicals in the blood. Um, and uh, from what I read uh, from um, the American Academy of Dermatology, as well as I think it might have been the CDC, I can't remember uh, which organization it was, maybe it was the FDA. Basically, they said uh, at this point in time, um, we don't know what that means. Keep wearing sunscreen. But okay. I thought that there were some that had different ingredients. I'm not doing brands, but like PABA free and, and that type of thing. Yeah, right? most so. of that comes down to allergy. So the, the PABA, the PABA free is, is more of an, an allergy thing. And then um, there was some, some thought that, uh, that that might be bad for you. I'm, I'm not sure there's really any sunscreens at this point in time that are using it. Um, it, I think it's sort it's of like uh, pulled weed, off. Sort of like Roundup on the lawn, you know. Yeah. It's going to kill the weeds. Yeah. It's going to hurt yeah. the other people. Yeah. So what about the last part of John's question about the prescription meds? Or, you know, I haven't seen any data that would indicate that there's a problem with sunscreens and prescription medications. So I'm not sure I can comment any further on that, other than just to say that that I'm aware of. No, that okay. should not be okay. an issue for John. 
All right. Well, our next question, by the way, uh, feel free to send your questions to questions. Wait a minute. I should let Stuart tell us. Let me do it. Yeah, I do Stuart, it so what's well. The, where, where do they email to? How about at questionsmantalkradio.net? Well, you were close. Questions at mantalkradio or questionsmantalkradio? It says right here, questions at mantalkradio.net. All right. We'll go with that. Our next question, <laughs> staying with skin cancer, is from Rick in Salt Lake City, out our area. Lately, I've been hearing about a few of my friends diagnosed with melanoma. They're in their early 60s. Most of them have worked indoors most of their lives. Is there a combination of sun exposure and potential risk for skin cancer? And how can we prevent getting, try and prevent getting melanomas? And this is a fellow Rick has worked indoors. Sure. Uh, and sometimes the working indoors can be um, more detrimental than the, than the working outdoors, just in the sense that you, you're not out getting sun exposure, and so you may be more likely to burn. And the burns themselves um, increase the risk of, of uh, skin cancer. Five blistering sunburns increase your risk of melanoma, uh, I think upwards of 20%. Uh, and so that, that's a big deal. Um, and so if he's working indoors, that's all well and good. But if he's recreating outdoors and he's not using appropriate protection, the old send them out, let them burn, um, and then they'll be tan the rest of summer. Uh, methodology just isn't sound methodology. It's just not a great way to go about it. So I have, so I have a question. Wait, did, did genetics play any part in any kinds of skin cancer? Absolutely, they do. So uh, in, in general terms, if you have uh, blue eyes or, or green eyes, if you freckle, um, if you uh, burn rather than tan, those are, each one of those is an independent risk factor for skin cancer. So you can have darker skin tones um, and have blue eyes and you still have a, a risk because of your blue eyes. Uh, you can freckle and tan, uh, but you, because you have freckles, still have uh, a higher risk than someone who does not of developing skin cancer. And uh, the fairer you are, uh, redheads uh, with blue eyes, they're, they're the most at risk. Um, for developing skin cancer. And in, in general terms, those are all genetic traits, right? Now, when you talk about melanoma as a genetic condition, um, there's uh, a, a couple of genes that have been identified um, that run in families. Uh, there's a, a syndrome um, uh, called atypical mole melanoma or atypical familial mole melanoma syndrome. And basically, uh, these are the folks who have lots and lots of moles and uh, most of their moles are really weird-looking moles to start with. And uh, there, was an, there was an explosion. I don't know. Explosion. I got very scared. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they, they'll, have with three or, they'll have three or four melanomas you know, before they hit 40. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, I think that the takeaways, we're just about out of time, but I think the takeaways are that uh, as we get into reach our 60s, we need to be wearing protective clothing. We need to be mindful uh, using sunscreen, exposing bare skin to the sun, minimizing it. Yeah. Uh, and if you know if we're out hiking, playing golf, just you know wear long sleeves, wear a cap. You know, if you're wearing a hat, I typically hike with you know wearing a hat, but sure. I don't wear long sleeves. And I've got friends who are always with those long sleeve hiking shirts. Yeah. What's yeah. that about? Is that It's the same thing. They're protection. just thinking in terms of of what their arms look like. I see a lot of arms that I mean you they they come in and every single time they're in, we're shaving something off and it gets pretty old to go into the dermatologist 
from the age of 65 until you're 85. And every time you're there, he's freezing 30 or 40 things off your arms every three months. That's, that gets pretty old. And so your friends are thinking, I don't want to be that guy. I'm going to put on some sleeves. Um, and, 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 and that's okay. You know, we talked about vitamin D. Um, vitamin D is a, is, is a challenge. It kind of turned into the vitamin um, du jour and kind of the, the, the cause of all of that ails us. At the end of the day, your body only has so much vitamin D stored in the skin. And that usually is spent within a short period of time. We're probably talking, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes. You have exhausted all of your vitamin D stores. So would you recommend taking a vitamin supplement. D supplement? You ought to supplement for sure and, and protect yourself. But remember, it's really about being, we call it being sun smart, right? That's the Academy slogan is be sun smart. Don't let the sun abuse you. All right. Well, Dr. Carter, thank you from Stuart and I. This was a very informative second show, and, and we actually have topics, and uh, we'll find out a common time that works for all of us to get back in the studio, and it sounds like there's quite a few more topics to cover. Hey, that so, sounds great. Appreciate but, it very much, Michael. But thank yeah. you for being here. And thank you. Stuart. Be happy. Be healthy. The information presented in this program is provided for general information purposes only and is not, nor is it intended to be, nor is it a substitute for professional medical advice and treatment. This program is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or injury. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this program. You should always consult a doctor or other health care provider for individual professional medical advice regarding your own health situation. This program is a production of Mantalk Radio, LLC. Copyright Mantalk Radio, LLC, 2019, all rights reserved. We're Michael and Stewart with Mantalk on Radio St. George 100.3 FM. Submit your questions ahead of time to questions at mantalkradio.net. Re-listen or watch again. Search Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher for Radio St. George or RadioStGeorge.com. We'll see you next week for another edition of Man Talk.